This is the ambience I'm trying to go for. Do you there think you it go. helps the podcast? Oh, yes, it absolutely does. Hi, my name's James. This is Jimmo Shifem. And I'm joined tonight on the South Firth Beach by... Emilia Jolikoska. Um, yep, so how are you, Emilia? A long time no see. I actually saw you last night, but then... Yes, If you had done that. this on Tuesday, long time no see. <laughs> Indeed, I can't remember the, the last time I'm it's probably when you were working at Kalis really yeah I just you saw me at Kalis no no Sophie's party the oh book. that's right yes yes Sophie's I would, that's the, oh, the second or third time I've ever been stoned in my life and I was just sitting in a chair and I remember you coming up to me going hi do you remember me I'm Amelia I'm like hey yeah <laughs> okay that explains it yeah. <laughs> no also have been in that situation yeah. and you just can't talk. If I'd known you'd be there, I would have been so bad. Oh, that's you know, okay. So be like, how's it going? I probably would have asked <laughs> you to podcast right there in the middle of the party. Well, it um, would have been a bit loud. I would have been too drunk. So, Amelia, I, this has been so long since I've done this. I feel out of shape. Um, we've known each other a long time. Yes. You haven't been on Jimmy Shrem before. Correct. We were talking last night about your nickname, Bernie Mac. Oh, yep. Yes. When I was don't that? know. I don't know the origin. I think it may have been, well, it was at the Amplifier Bar when I was working behind the bar. But what year? Like, how long ago was it? Well, I worked there in the years between, I'd say, 2004 and 2007, which were the glory days. Hmm. I worked at the door 2007 so it would have been around 2004 I was still pretty fresh um behind the bar and yeah so it must be coming up 10 years then yes it's it is probably so 10 year anniversary yeah it is uh, for um, context yeah I said we're sitting on the beach at South Perth I'm trying to do my bring back my late nights on Jimmy Shrem's series where we go to an ambient place and talk even though the people at home can't see it they can just hear the water lapping the soft breeze flowing over the microphone so chilled yeah got a seagull right in front of us (laughs) hi seagull hello you can see the lights of the city reflecting off the water the council house is changing colors do you reckon that will get old at some point people just like come on never no um i remember coming here for the fireworks a few years ago and there was the ferris wheel do you remember that oh yeah um it's just so picturesque mm-hmm. i think anything that adds to it is good generally mm-hmm. i don't think people care enough though like, mm. <laughs> unless it's an eyesore um you know the bell tower doesn't really do anything for us whereas can you even see it oh there it is yeah it's just lost amongst the cranes yeah remember they said it was going to be like as tall as the amp towers like well that could be cool yeah, it would have been a bit Shanghai, though. Yeah. Have you been to Shanghai? No, I haven't. I've seen would you like a to lot go? of imagery. Yes, I would, actually. Um, be interesting to be a part, like, you know, to experience that culture. Yeah. Um, which is apparently um, very, I guess, what was the word? 
you know, very old world meets new world. You get to see total polar opposites of living, you know, mm. luxury and poverty. Oh, yeah. I went to, um, just a few months ago, went to Singapore for a weekend. And we took the boat over to Indonesia, like going to Indonesia for singles, like kind of going to Right Nest. Oh. And just went there for lunch. And you go from like ultra first world Singapore to like the third world. Because it's the island we went to is not like, I guess, Bali is mm. where it's very targeted tourists. It was just a regular Indonesian island, I guess. Um, and that was pretty crazy contrast. I never, don't think I've ever seen that sort of contrast before. You do see it in Bali as well. Mm. I remember, um, you know, getting a manicure and pedicure and the girls just asking me was to, at the same time, um, doing my nails and they were asking me all these questions like, what food do you eat? Do you drive a car? Like, all these really strange questions. And I was like, what do you do? What, where do you go out for fun? How do you meet boys? And they said, oh, no, we don't go to clubs like you go oh, to. Oh, that's what you asked them? Yeah. Okay. I was quite interested. Um, well, they were interested in my lifestyle and quite surprised. And um, likewise, and they're like, no, we don't associate, you know, in any of the clubs or anything that all the Aussies go to. We have our own, I guess, you know, community stuff. Um, we don't dress like you guys. Are, uh, um, yeah, it was interesting. It was interesting to that, you know, a lot of the girls don't drive. And um, also living conditions compared to what they put up with the tourists. Hmm. It's not necessarily like it didn't didn't make me sad or I didn't, you know, feel sorry for them because I too come from a third world country where I just, you know, understand that, hey, it's just a different culture. Mm-hmm. It's what they're used to and they're quite happy with that and they seemed quite happy with that. But they were also, I guess, intrigued by what they perceived as quite a luxurious lifestyle that we have, which mm. to them isn't really... I mean, to me, isn't, it's just stuff I take for granted. Yeah. I guess it comes... As long as your country is, you know, in peace, so to speak, you just know what you know. There's not... You just sort of accept it. Although I wonder if they watch, like, American television and they go, I want to go to New York. Yeah, yeah, they, they do. Um... They're very into the celebrity culture over there as well. Like when I told them, you know, I'm studying to be a filmmaker. They're like, wow, you're going to make a movie? Like, (laughs) (laughs) you're going to be on TV? I'm like, no, probably not. (laughs) It's not that glamorous. Amelia does film as well. Um, Yeah, we have a... We we met 10 years ago at Amplifier. You know, just... You worked at the bar... I was studying psychology at the time. Right, okay. Yeah, I was about two years in, into my degree. So what made you decide, yep, I'm going to change things up? Oh, well, I think it was mostly the maths. Um, it was also, you, you know, <laughs> there's a lot of maths. Um, there was a realisation that I really love studying this, but as a career... Oh, it's all the part fairy. of the location, yeah. The um, shifting up. Yeah, I loved studying it, but I couldn't do that day in, day out, every night, you know, to be a registered psychologist, to get your master's, it's, you know, about six years, Um, never mind thinking about your PhD um, on top of that, and it was just, one, very daunting, but two, you know, I had to think, well, if I'm dedicating every waking moment of my life to this... um, is this really what I want to do? And I knew that it wasn't creative enough and that I would have gone crazy myself had I not had an outlet. So I had to, 
explore other options while I was still young and I took a year off did things like work in the finance industry (laughs) to find myself and eventually ended up finance industry (laughs) working uh, in the bank well I worked um, at Keystart Home Loans oh right Um, I had a friend that did that and they turned up at this job and no one told her what she was meant to do and she just sort of worked there just pretending to work for like three months it's kind of like you know like I think George did that on Seinfeld once (laughs) and um yeah, and I think, I guess, eventually... No, she didn't... How does didn't, that even happen? She eventually, she started to freak out that they were going to catch on, and so she quit. Um, I just... I guess the, that day, the person who was meant to train her wasn't there, and people forgot about it, and her, I guess her job was so sort of hands-off that... It's uh, too funny. Yeah. So, how'd you like finance? Oh, uh, you know bit soul destroying um uh, there was things Were i like definitely took noise and rejecting people's dreams mm, yeah not quite it was um i guess learning about how loans you know repayments and approvals and i was in post approval so everything that happened after that um approval process like settlement um you know i was working on all that which is essentially quite boring um you know but i was still <laughs> working at Amplifier on the weekends, which... Oh, right. Just for fun? Or do you need, still need the money? No, I just did it for fun. Oh, wow. Okay. Which is a bit insane, really. <laughs> but I loved it. Um, it. At the time, it was like home away from home and uh, very... Um, I don't know. All my friends were there, so... Just pitched in behind the bar and worked and had a ball. And that's why, really. Um... It's very different now. I went back there for a gig last month and aside from the age gap, there's a very different, um, I don't know, dynamic amongst the, amongst the young people and it's just it's just not the same. I remember knowing everyone there. Um, yeah, sure, a lot of people can relate. Do people come and go, I remember when you worked, like, people you don't remember going, oh, my God, I know you, you worked at the bar in Abfire. No, not really. I, um, I change my look quite often. Oh, this is true. Yes, it's true. I did not recognise you last night. <laughs> A lot of people don't, which is kind of cool. You slip through the cracks and, yeah. Um, so that helps. I was, you know, very, um, I had long black hair down to my waist at one point and then, you know short boy hair which was peroxide blonde you know the next year and um, i love the long brown hair thank you i remember i have this i have two distinct images of you in my mind one was i think it was my like maybe new year's eve one year and um it was like that you know that time where my friend was just about to hook line and sink of this girl so i was his wingman i was just sort of sitting there <laughs> And just waiting for him to, you know, invite this girl home so I could go home myself. Um, and uh, you were sort of standing there, the light was coming in, you had uh, you had like an LBD and you had long black hair. And I was like, it's oh, an LBD. Kind of little black dress. Oh, yes. Oh, and, yes. Um, I know exactly the night. Oh, God. And uh, you look kind of sort of Audrey Hepburnish, And I was like, oh, that's quite nice. Um... And the other one, I have this weird, weird memory of you. I don't even know where it comes from. Of you holding something 
that you were so excited about, like someone had given you a present and you were shaking, going, oh my God, this is so awesome. Was it a gin and tonic? Maybe. (laughs) No, that might have been when um, someone had bought me a pair of um, vintage gloves and they were like maroon velvet with leopard print. And they brought it to the amplifier? Yes. Oh, wow. Okay. It was a present. And, um, yeah, it was, I was very surprised and, and flattered um, and loved them. And I still have them, actually. Do you wear them out every now and then? Um, I have worn them. them. I remember one night I wore them to amplifier, and this was while I was still disgustingly addicted to cigarettes and accidentally burnt a hole through one of them oh, with no. ash. Just idiotic. Don't wear gloves and smoke. All right. A warning to people out there. I had a dream the other night. I was a smoker. And after a while, after I woke up, I was sitting there going, man, I, I, seem to, I thought I was a non-smoker. It took me a while to realise that I'd been dreaming it. <laughs> I've been having these really vivid dreams recently. Like, if I, if I drink, like, a bottle of wine and then go to sleep... I have just these insane dreams. Like, I literally f- wake up and feel like I've been gone from this world for, like, weeks. It's really interesting. I mean, a lot of people feel like when they drink, they're not actually themselves. Hmm. Um, so, you know, when you fall asleep drunk, you experience a very different type of consciousness. I mean, hmm. you do anyway while you're dreaming. But you're just compounding that by um, drinking as well, so... You're just on a completely different stream, and that's why you have a kind of really messed up dreams. Mm. I got really spooked the other night because I very rarely have dreams where I recognise the people in them. But I had, did have this one dream where I recognised this girl and someone I used to work with like five years ago. I haven't seen since then. Um, woke up and was like, oh, oh, she was in the dream. That was random. But then two hours later, I went to this uh, event, and guess who was there? She was there. Whoa. really spooked. Yeah, Um, that happens quite often. I literally had shiv... uh, Because it was was like a screening and um, it was in the cinema. So I was just sort of... I just looked around the cinema and I saw her like illuminated by the, uh, you know, the light from the screen. And I was like, my heart's been going, God, if I just seen a ghost and I had to like look back to check a couple of times to make sure it was her. Sounds like a bit of a premonition. Yeah, she's insane though, so it's probably not a good premonition. Maybe it's a protective premonition. Yeah, watch out for her. Yeah. Yeah, um, I had, I had, um, you know, not recently, but I've had experiences like that in the past. And, um, you know, there's different theories behind it, but um, I was chatting to one of the Indigenous lecturers at Curtin, actually, mm. uh, about it. He, his opinion is that it's is when you're indigenous? close. Um, yes. Yeah. It's when it's just a sign that you're close to the dreaming or, you know, um, that you are very connected. Um, And often people dismiss their dreams and I don't like to place too much importance to it because your subconscious isn't necessarily the truth. It's just Mm -hmm. your perspective. But, um, no, it's important to kind of, you know, try to understand what's going on in your mind when you're not, like you know forcing yourself to think or consciously thinking yeah yeah um so what okay you're working in finance 
for fun working at a bar on the weekend? What what where would you go then? Where did I go? The oh. journey of Amelia. The journey. Okay, well, I don't. Oh God, it's hard to remember. Um, probably because I was always drunk. Um, I remember having fun, but I also remember, you know, getting sick quite often and just not really looking after myself. Very different to how I am now, but um, I fell back at uni um, studying film and television. And at the time, I think I had ambitions to be a performer. I really wanted to be an actress at the time. And um, I think that was a bit of confusion. When I was in high school, I did TE drama and I loved everything about it. Uh, But it was all wrong. It wasn't acting that I wanted to do. Uh, When I discovered everything behind the scenes while at uni, I realised, okay, no. It's the other side of the camera that I am really passionate about. Um, and I haven't looked back since. I think that's when I really found myself um, while at uni. So once that happened, once I, you know, my third year film, I produced that and I haven't looked back since. I've just... So did you... Could you... What happened with switching to film can you did you have to start from scratch or do you get credits towards things from doing previous psych stuff from psychology and yeah yeah i did get um you know those introduction intro units like research and rah rah Mm -hmm. i didn't have to do those thank goodness um if anyone's done them they know they're utterly boring i also um chose psychology as my minor because i had enough credits obviously so i didn't have to do a minor um, which was nice. Mm-hmm. So I did have less units than my peers and slacked off a fair bit. Um, but, you know, watched a lot of movies. My, that was my favourite part of film school. Was in my spare time. I went to FTI and they had the they just renovated the cinema and uh, every Monday we didn't have to come in, but we did and we just watched movies in the cinema and then like chatted to them, chatted about them afterwards. And I'm like, man, I kind of would like to do that again somehow. Yeah, I've um, really... Just the excitement of being like, oh, you know, just getting to talk to people about films for the first time and not just talk, oh, I love that bit and I love that, but just talking about, I wonder how they did this and I wonder why they did this and and stuff like that, you know. Yeah, there's nothing quite like a nice critical... Um, conversation and I'm terrible host at that an stuff. amazing film. Well, my friends who actually did proper university, they're like, the importance of the semiology in this scene is the way the penis is inserted to the vagina and how that represents society as a whole. Um, and I'm just like, I don't know. I'm like, well, that was cool how, you know, she looked at him and he was like, yeah, hello. And they made a connection. Absolutely. And I think one thing we learned at uni is that anyone who has any kind of view, like feminism as an example, they can read um, feminist... feminist. (laughs) Yeah, thoughts, that's why I brought it up. Um, You know, they can read those values and undertones and subtext in every film they watch if they wanted to. Um, Doesn't necessarily mean that's what the filmmaker was trying to get across. Mm. But hey, if that enriches your experience, all power to you. Yeah, I, th- I sort of believe my philosophy is like, uh, which is weird, is like just context is everything. Um, 
everything you do is based on the context of where you've you are at that moment in time and um always trying you know i'm always trying to control context like if i know there's a you know the other day like um just in australia spike jones and coen brothers released their two new movies on like on the same day and i'm sitting there going okay i've been looking for these movies for ages but i'm like the day I planned to go I was feeling sick so I'm like oh, I can't watch the movie because I would hate to walk in and your first experience all you're thinking about is I feel ill and then you know that's going to ruin the experience of the movie or it's going to colour the experience of the movie that's true it's a um, very important thing watching a movie I watched this movie the other night which I really like called Drinking Buddies which I thought was going to be the stupidest movie ever like it was just some thing but that was really to me it just really hit home like it was almost as if someone had seen part of my you know life and acted it some of these scenes out that seemed so authentic that it freaked me out but then I went online and like oh this is just a dumb boring movie yeah. reviews were like um, I look forward to watching it I've um I've heard that film mentioned before um no but I actually watched both her and Inside Llewell- Llewellyn Davis um last week and her is one of those films which inspired and I guess changed my life in a way. Oh, like, really? Wow. I okay. loved it. Yeah. Um, Inside the Welland Davis, not so much. I appreciated it mm. and got it, and it was successful in the sense that it really did make me feel something, but it wasn't a pleasant feeling that I was left with. Which yeah, is because probably it, why. it is about a person struggling to be creative for a living and it is really depressing it? yeah 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 I, I it's don't depressing for people like us I didn't necessarily find that to be the problem I found the character it was just so flawed and self-absorbed yeah. and unaware and everyone that he crossed paths with that was their problem with him mm. it's get your head out of your ass why are you such an asshole um that's all it was you know the cat it's just, I won't give too much away. But if anyone's seen the film, I guess his treatment of that animal, never mind the people around him... Oh, yeah, you can't forgive him. ...is, is why he, uh, in my opinion, is saying this is why this man will not be successful. Yeah. Which, you know, brings me to another point is you're a very contextual person and a lot of people are and I've... um. I think I've recently shaken that off and started looking within. Mm-hmm. And that's when, I don't know. I've what does that mean? Like, what do you... I think uh, the best example would be, so we talked about going to the cinema mm-hmm. and having to be in a certain headspace to really yeah. enjoy it. I find that often to be the case. Last night was a really good example. Um, it was a screening of my short film, The Fan, at the rooftop cinema. And I came late and jumped in, and um, right, you know, before it started. Um, and there was a, the control freak side of me, which was like, "People, stop moving!" Like the elevators were going mm. off, and that was really annoying me. And I just, I just thought, I just want people to watch this without these distractions. And then I realised, well, no, if you can shake those distractions off and still focus. It's, it's meditative mm-hmm. in a way um, and there's a certain strength in that and I really hope that 
you know, other members of the audience could do that. And that's what cinema is in a way. It's, um, it is your, I guess, connection to your spirit. You want to be moved. You want to feel something. Mm-hmm. And it is to myself and I know a lot of my friends, a meditative experience. And doing meditation as well, you find yourself quite distracted you know flies mosquitoes other people breathing or snoring mm. you just have to shut them off and um really worry about your your journey i because uh, it was part of the bohemia festival i went that's why we saw each other last night yep and uh i was sitting next to a very bohemian man who I don't, what does bohemian even mean does he have a beard did he have long hair no, but he was—he had an interesting smell to him, which okay. distracted me from the movie. But mm, just difficult. Um, it's, it's it's funny that the rooftop cinema that it's at, you know, you're sort of staring at the cinema like we are at the screen. At the city backdrop was very distracting. I found myself if it was a movie that it was like one movie that was kind of a bit depressing, so I sort of drifted off, staring at. There was a guy climbing down the sky, um, city park skyscraper, like abseiling down at night Ooh, with his very headlamp, and I was sitting there going, "I wonder if this is a stunt or is a window cleaner or something." Um, anyway sometimes I think it's best that's what I like still like about going to I have my own cinema at home which I'm now assembling disassembling which is very depressing Um, turmoil in my life but um, there's something very cool I guess still about going to cinema and hopefully people don't ruin it with their stupid phones and stuff but you're locked in the cinema you can't. You, at least for me, I don't pull out my phone because I don't want to like distract the people around. I honestly them. think, that, you know, and I've been guilty of this in the past. But I was a dickhead, and anyone that does that is a dickhead. Don't mm. do it. Yeah. Um, Sorry. And you don't. You sort of. If you do need to go to the toilet, you sort of put it off, and you just focus on the movie, and you do absorb it a bit more. Then sometimes when I'm home, I'm checking. If I get the slightest bit bored, I'll check my phone and then I have to rewind back because I wasn't paying attention. Yeah. And um, or you have to go to the toilet or you're like, oh, I'll get a drink or a you snack. You just know you can pause it. Yeah, which yeah. Which does change the experience. Um, there's still something very magical about going to the cinema. I hope I never grow out of that. <laughs> yeah, I should go more. I have like two free tickets and I haven't used them yet. I bet you one of them is expired now because I just keep putting it off. Um, but the, you go for these periods where the films just don't interest you at all and then suddenly inside Lorne Davis and her come out the same day and I also saw Dallas Buyers Club which is way better than I expected to be because I only went because I had a free ticket. It's a horrible thing when you want to go to the cinema and there's nothing good on. Mm. It downright that's why I wish there was uh, I guess it's hard all this licensing makes it so hard but you wish there was more cinemas that showed older movies I think I mean it's difficult because you can't advertise that Mm. unless it's for educational purposes Um, but there is you probably know about this more than me being a producer I kind of I wanted to still might but now is probably the wrong time with so many outdoor cinemas going on and Fringe and whatnot and PF um but you know an underground film club where you do screen classics my passion my newfound passion um, thanks to a good friend of mine Damien's picture is Australian cinema 
I um, spent a good portion of last year just watching um, a lot of Australian movies, you know, in the mornings before work or after work. Um, my aim was to watch a movie a day. Well, that didn't eventuate, not when you're working mm-hmm. every day or doing overtime and making your film on the side. Um, so that's so heartbreaking. But, um, you know, I hope I'm making up for lost time these days. So what 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 was what can. any good discoveries you can recommend? Yes, there there are quite a few. Um, Sweetie, Jane Campion, her uh, first yeah. film. Mm-hmm. It had such an atmosphere to it. It was so real, but not hyper real. Oh, which is very Jane Campion. Mm-hmm. She just nailed it. Yeah. It was. Um, I've got a quite a twisted sense of humour and. Uh, I, I got it. Loved it. I think a lot. A lot of people enjoy that film. Um, Peter Weir. Oh, I love Peter Weir. I haven't seen his latest film. Nor have I. Um, it's been seen. I wish. It's. I think it's actually just been on the Apple TV in HD. So I've been wanting to rent it. Oh. But um. Watched um, a couple of amazing films from his. One, um, The Plumber. Oh, I have not seen the film. You must watch it. It is... Have you seen the crazy one with Harrison Ford in the jungle making ice? No, I can't say I have. No. Okay, no. you should check that one. It's pretty cool. Um, also, The Last Wave. Um, it's That film also struck a big chord with me. Um, a lot of Indigenous undertones, and I'm obviously quite passionate about um, traditional landowners. And... It was really ahead of its time, um, very aware, but also just kind of just tying it in to, um, you know, 80s Sydney culture um, without it trying to be too much of a thing. It was very clever. Um, Yeah, so it's those, those kind of things where I see a lot of filmmakers in Australia trying to make... Hollywood films or films for an overseas market which is fair enough um, if it's a universal script or story um, you know fantastic but I think there's just so much going on you know especially in WA mm. um, find your stories here don't try to copy what's going you know stuff that's been done before in Hollywood or America it's got no relevance to us and I think that's what I'm trying to do at the moment in writing is, you know what, those Americans may just be interested in the stuff that's going on here. <laughs> Maybe. <Totally. laughs> I hope. Boomtown. Yeah. Oh, I broke the chair. Oh, that's, that's good. <laughs> We're back. They're like $5 chairs. Back how to the history. Even, how do we even get onto the... Oh, do you want to go back to your history? Yeah, there's not really much of it. Okay, well... You know, I studied film for three years. I um, was an unemployed bum, which is probably, you know, a really good thing to do after working a fair bit. Um, and I started working at a cigar shop, Dublin's. Sorry, what? A cigar shop? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Um, well, you know, I was smoking cigarettes at the time. It's looking for a retail I job. I you were a smoker. I must have missed your whole hey, smoking phase. Yeah, I was always quitting. Okay. Uh, <laughs> um, 
people don't like to smoke about me because I glare at them. So maybe I glare at you and you're like, I'm not going to smoke yeah. around him again. Yeah, I was probably always working too, yeah. I mind you. Um, yeah, it was fun. It was a lot of fun. I learned a lot about cigars, which, you know, then led on to another passion of mine, which is wine. Okay. Um, cigars with wine? Cigars, yeah, with do coffee. You, do you have to, is it kind of like a, did you play a role like a, what do you call a sommelier? Sommelier. sommelier for cigars? Yeah. This, uh, this cigar will match your meal. Technically, I couldn't be. I think you need, like, to go to Cuba or some shit. But um, I did learn a lot. I did research a lot. You know, I still know all the cigars and their tasting notes off by heart. I'm a bit of a freak. Um, Yeah, no, I became quite passionate about it and really enjoyed, um, you know, having a smoke every now and then. Um, Went pretty hardcore. Used to drink, um, smoke those really large... um, Churchill style ci- um, cigars, you know, in, in a night. Yeah. What you talking about? And loved it. I didn't think there was anything hotter than a hot chick with a cigar. So, okay. um, but you know. Did that help you with the lads? Do they like your. Uh, in, there's a very niche market, no doubt. <laughs> um, I probably thought so at the time. Or but ladies. in in Yeah, all the ladies. Um, in hindsight, um, does, it, does it make you more masculine, or does it accentuate your feminine aspects? I think it's a bit of both. It doesn't. I don't think it's about any kind of um, agenda. It's it's just about attitude, and, and yeah, if you want to make it sexual, <laughs> you sure can. But um, it was just you know the I don't give a fuck. I'm smoking a fucking big cigar. Mm. And it got a bit creepy, though. If you're, you know, sitting in the cigar lounge smoking a cigar, guys just automatically think about a dick in your mouth. Semiology. Yes. The penis goes in the vine and represents society. Don't you understand? Yeah. So, anyway, um, moved on from that. About the same time I finished university. Um, and, yeah, I, I think I had an opportunity you know, towards the end of my degree to do a practical unit, um, like work experience on a short film called George Jones and the Giant Squid, which was produced by a friend of mine, Ella Wright. Um, yeah. I met Ella Wright drunk in a stairwell. Like, she was drunk. and then, oh. she, But, of course, she claims she doesn't drink. But I said... Oh, she never drinks. <laughs> she never drinks. No, but I no, caught her no. one. She's, she's, not, she's not a... A drunkard or anything. She does enjoy occasional drink. And she was very talkative that night. We talked for ages, and then she, I think, she's never spoken to me since. Oh. She is also sister to my old, like, one of my old friends, Jesse. Ah, uh, yes, yes. Jesse Ryan. I wonder if he's listening. I know he follows me on Twitter. Hi, Jesse. Um, Jesse's a friend of my friend Tara Fox. Okay, who's friends with Alex McRae? Yes. He's oh, my childhood friend. You know, James and I have an intricate have so web many of connections. social connections, yes. Good old Alex, he's moved now, hasn't he? Yeah, I haven't seen him in ages. Hmm. I like his Instagram photos now and then. I do too. He takes a good photo, that guy. Did you see his um, Japanese videos? They're very cool. Yes, I did, and they were very cool. Got good taste um, in moving image. 
Yeah. I don't know how many people are going to listen to this, but you should check out Amelia's film, The Fan. Become a fan of it on Facebook at facebook.com slash... Um, the Fan? I don't know. Or just Go to the fan, fan short film, maybe, I saw it last Facebook. night. It was very cool. It's yeah. like a Pixar movie that gets... It's a bit darker than usual. Is that a spoiler to say it's dark? <sighs> I don't know. Um, no. It, well... It's, um, you know, we've pitched it as a live-action animation. Yeah. Which obviously cannot exist. Puppetry? There is puppetry. We had Tim Watts, um, who, if, you know, people here listening and are a fan of Perth Theatre Company, you'd know that Tim is an excellent actor, but also a puppeteer who creates his own, produces um, his own shows, like Alvin Sputnik, Deep Sea Explorer. He's taken that around the world. It's been for, like, four or five years now um, he's done very well for himself so we're very lucky to have him on board as um, the puppeteer behind the fan um, it is a pedestal fan that comes to life or appears to come to life and that's really let up, left up to the audience like something that keeps you cool yes uh, those fans a cooling device I thought it was going to be about a guy who's a fanatic the fan mm, but yes. um, I was pleasantly surprised yeah. The pe- uh, the pedestal fan. Don't know if it had. I had um, when I was a kid. I had a blue fan. Cute. And because um, I had to share a bedroom with my brother, and we were like, in bunk beds, and I was on the upstairs and the downstairs, and I had the it, my fan was older, but it was blue. He had the brand new, super powerful one, but it was brown, so stuck in. Mhm. There's some gorgeous fans out there, you know, doing research for this film. Um, God, they're beautiful. And we um, modelled ours upon a 1920s, um, it's called a Verity oscillating fan. Um, oscillating because, of course, its head can move in all different directions, like a circle. And after that, you see, you know, watching films like The Great Gatsby, even they had such gorgeous fans in there. Um, yeah, I became a bit of a fan nerd. Don't you love to you have to research these kind of things? It's like... You don't have to. It depends what you do, really. Oh, uh, yeah, uh, yeah, I know. You don't have to. You can but just you walk over it. the op shop <laughs> and pick out a fan. But I'm like... Oh, God, no. This film I'm writing involves a plane crash. And it's probably like one of those movies where you can say, oh, the plane's crashing, and then the audience just assumes you know. But I'm like researching like all the emergency procedures and stuff like that how would the crew prepare for this thing um, you know the crew how would they prepare how would they handle the situation my uncle's a pilot so I've been talking with him about oh, what he would do about yeah. this and stuff like that it's very lucky and then I, I'm looking at the script and I'm going I don't think I need to put any of this in you know, I guess I'll keep the notes in case the actors want to know later but. I think it, um, it really depends because those, it's those things which could add to the story mm. so you have to explore it and then you know if it doesn't you think how can I creatively bypass this <laughs> you know stretch the time or compress the time it's all very interesting when you get into you know writing <laughs> mm. um, you could really just go on and on about the smallest detail <laughs> <laughs> so what happens now I, I've seen the film but that wasn't the premiere last night. No, we had the premiere a month ago. Um, oh, really? Okay, so it is still a new movie. Yeah, it, we premiered the film without it being 
completely polished. There were a few things which weren't quite right. Um, We made some changes since the premiere. Nothing major, just some reframes um, and whatnot. But, yeah, it was a month ago, around December, and um, mostly cast, crew and industry. Um, And we were lucky to have, you know, packed out cinema. Um, It was very well received. It, um, it's a really nice feeling though as a filmmaker there's always that part of you which is like yeah they have to say that <laughs> yeah. um, so there's also the other part of you which says you know what I'm actually very proud of this film and we'll see how it goes so, so what's, what, you, what happens now? now is the time I enter it into a whole bunch of festivals already entered it into about six um, the first being South by Southwest where you sent them a link of the unfinished film mid-December um, for their cut-off and yeah we find out if we get in um, within the week mm-hmm. of the 7th so, so of is that do you have a February. strategy or do you just throw it at anywhere it will fit no um, our strategy is to enter into the top tier festivals first so you know it, it's a bit hard because there's cut-off dates which are a bit everywhere so Ideally, we can't really enter into the festivals we want first, but there are a whole bunch of, um, you know, the top-tier festivals which we're going to give that a crack at in our first year of the film's completion. Mm. And from then onwards, we'll filter it down and um, try to enter it into festivals with cool prizes. Um, You know, all the local ones will be entered into in the first year, of course. So if you've missed the film, you might, um, you know, get to see it at Revelation Film Festival. Um, it's probably around mid-year, isn't it? Um, yeah, it's in my birthday. J-Fest, it's part of J-Fest. Uh-huh. Um, and there should be other opportunities as well. So if, if you hop onto the Facebook, you won't miss that uh, if you want to check it out. You could probably send it. It's like There's no dialogue in it, so you could... Um, send it anywhere in the world people would know what's happening yeah absolutely and that's um definitely part of its appeal and it's um you know it's definitely in there in the press kit how intentional it is for it to be just a universal yeah it's a very classic story um but also very i have this theory you'll probably disagree with me that there is no such thing as a good short film that has like people speaking in it like, it either has to be non-dialogue or has to be just one person speaking. Like, there was another cool film they showed last night where it was just this, you know, the whole sort of concept was this girl, she's on a date and she won't let... She's talking, 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 and she won't let her date speak, you know. And that seemed to work really well. And then the other films that didn't have dialogue, I'm like, that works, like... Um, I can't even, you know, I, just, I sit down. Yeah, and go, I can. Uh, I can see what you mean in a way. I don't. I don't agree with that. I've seen, you know, plenty of film. Yeah, it is. But um, I, I can definitely say some of the more powerful films I've seen, short films I've seen, have very minimal dialogue, mm. and I think that's because there's such a short amount of time before you can actually get anyone to feel something or form an opinion on it. Rah, rah, that the less you say the better because it leaves it up to the audience mm. to fill in the gaps kind of like you know when reading a book they can envision it whereas this you know, you're leaving the impression of um this is how this person's feeling rather than them saying it 
we should be, I guess, in all films in general, but you can't really... It's very difficult to carry um, a feature film with no dialogue. I was really hoping... Did you ever watch Wally? I was hoping yes. that would go the whole way through with no dialogue, but then they about halfway through the movie they're like oh no we'll have characters that talk now yeah but it was exciting I was like oh my god is this going to be this movie that there's nobody talking about but such a great film yeah um well yes thanks Amelia for coming on thanks for having me I really enjoy uh I really appreciate you giving your time to my little art project we didn't Um, get to the bottom of Burning Mac Oh, we didn't. Well, maybe you can come back sometime. Come back and talk about Bernie Mac. I don't. I still don't know where it came. I assume it was like, hey, this is my theory. Okay, quickly. Yes. Someone was talking about Bernie Mac, and then you're like, yes, and they they thought that you answered to that. They they thought you (laughs) you answered the call because your name was Bernie Mac. Right, yeah, I probably, yep, I can see that happening. And that's such a catchy name, especially, you know, for like a petite Macedonian girl compared to a giant um, African-American man that people like. I was asking, like, is it because I'm funny? Um, (laughs) I don't understand. I think we have to get interview other people. I I know I have some friends that would probably know the origin better than me. Well, um, thanks for getting me down to the foreshore. Yeah, did you enjoy it? Yes, it's Summer very serene. on the river. All the lights. I feel like you have to appreciate what purpose of offer rather than complain about it. Yeah. Which goes back to your theme about finding stories. She's on the hunt. They're everywhere. Awesome. Well, I'll, we'll, I'll talk to you later. Find out more at jimmyshfm.com. You can see us out. Jimmy Shaffin, yeah.